Hi, and welcome back to Real Estate Keeping It Simple. I am your host, yep, Ray Dove with REMAX Eastside Brokers, Inc. here in Bellevue, Redmond, Washington, serving Seattle, all of the east side. I thought today on today's podcast we'd kind of mix in a few things. One is our recent MLS statistics for the month of February. And then after I kind of run through those, we would uh, have Lori, awesome, uh, here to talk about a mortgage minute, so to speak. Give us an update of what's going on with interest rates, what the difference is, what's changed in her uh, in her world on the challenges people are having with uh, not only getting financing but uh, securing a home. So we'll start today with the statistics from the Northwest MLS. And again, I'll remind you, my audience, that in King County, there's 2.3 million people in King County. In Snohomish County, there's a million people. And I think there's almost 1.2 million people in Pierce County, which is like Tacoma, Bonnie Lake, areas like that. And I say that because it becomes relevant when you look at the overall number of homes and condos that are on the market. So let's start with King County. In February this year, they had 2,900 homes and condos go on the market. We call those new listings. The, and that's down almost 47% from a year ago last year. At the end of February, there was only 978 homes and condos on the market. Only 978, and they gave us just a hair over two weeks worth of inventory. Now our pending sales, there were 2,600. That's still down 9% from a year ago. And our closed transactions are down 17%, yet the home prices have gone up almost 12%. So once again, we're getting squeezed on inventory. I talked with this potential seller yesterday, and they're trying to understand the dynamics of the real estate market. And I was sharing with them about no inventory, two weeks worth of inventory. And it wasn't until we had that discussion that they finally had what I call that aha moment that, oh yeah, we can relate because we're trying to move to Virginia and they have nothing for sale there either. And they have nothing for rent either. So what do we do? We need to move back to Virginia. I've had people move down to Arizona. There's nothing to buy. There's nothing to rent. So what we're experiencing here in Seattle is common throughout all of the United States. Some markets a little bit better, some markets a little bit less. So in Snohomish County, new listings that went on the market, 1,169. At the end of February, there was only 290 houses and condos on the market. That's down almost 17% from a year ago. Their pending sales, 1,125, and that's actually up almost 1% from last year. So that's a good thing. Their closed sales, though, are down 15%. The average price up there went up almost 22%. So they're getting great appreciation on the homes that are on the market. But they have like three weeks, not even that, a hair over two weeks of inventory as well. Pierce County, Tacoma, Bonnie Lake, areas like that down south, they had 1,349 homes and condos on the market. That's down 13% from a year ago. They only have 451 homes and condos on the market at the end of February. Pending sales were 1,399, and that's up about 12%. So that's a good trend that they're starting to see more pennies, but they've got very little inventory. Their closed sales are still down 11% from last year, and the average price of a home down there went up almost 16% and about two weeks worth of inventory. What does that mean to you? Well, if you're a home seller, it means now might be a great time to sell. Where do you go next? 
do you already have a place bought? Do Are you moving out of the area and you found a place and you bought a home down there? This is a time as a seller, you want to sell your property, you're going to have to make a bold move yourself because the buyers that are buying these homes, as we've discussed before, are buying the homes for more than the asking price. They're waiving all the financing conditions. They're waiving all the building inspection, septic inspections, you name it. They're making it the offer as clean as can be with a quick closing and non-refundable earnest money deposits given to the seller the day after they have mutual acceptance. I'm seeing in an area that's called Finn Hill and even Education Hill. And Finn Hill is kind of Kirkland Juanita area, which is north of Bellevue. And then Education Hill is Redmond, which is east of Kirkland. And homes there that sold in the 70s and 80s, when they initially went on the market, were $60,000, $70,000, maybe $80,000 tops, are now going on the market for $995,000, a million dollars. Selling in less than a week for a million three, million four, million five. Homes are going for three to $500,000 over the asking price. What do you do as a home buyer? Well, I think one of the things you do for sure you talk to Lori Awesome, and she can go through the steps of how to get a proof of financing. But her business model, too, it's a challenge because they work hard to get you a proof of financing. They get you the letter. She makes the phone calls to the seller's agent in hopes that that'll make a difference in your offer. But sadly, I would guess 95, maybe 98% of all offers presented are rejected because somebody else has made a higher offer. I'm working with a client that made an offer on a home up in South Everett, which is kind of out of my market area, but I'm helping them nonetheless. First time home buyer. We saw a home, the seller was asking $550,000 for it. We looked at, did our own research, and we thought, yep, yeah, that would be the price. That's what, it's, that's what it's worth. We went ahead and agreed to pay up to $580,000, remove as many contingencies as we could. They only had four offers, whereas unlike on the east side in Seattle, we have 10, 15, 20, 30 offers. But even with four offers, that home sold for $170,000 over its asking price. How do you compete with that? Give me a call and I'll give you my contact information at the end of the podcast today. And we can chat about strategies of how you can win a home if you're a home buyer. And if you're a home seller, how to get your home set for the marketplace to present itself in its best possible way so you can attract as many buyers as possible so that you too can get the highest possible price in our market. Will our market go away? I know a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines, sellers thinking, well, oh, you know, or buyers saying, this can't continue forever. And interest rates going up, it might make the market pause a little bit. But an average real estate market is four to six months worth of inventory. And there's no way we're going to get into that kind of inventory situation in the next two or three years. We are so low on inventory, so low on new construction. This is a supply and demand issue, not so much an interest rate issue. Do I see interest rates going to 10%? I've seen it happen before, but I, I don't think that's even remotely possible now. But they could go up to 5%, and that's still better than what they normally are. So I wouldn't get too concerned, other it will affect your ability to buy somewhat. So instead of buying that $2 million home, you might have to buy, darn shucks, a home for a million six. Or millions. So, any questions, uh, certainly I'll give you my contact information at the end of the podcast. Right now, I'd like to kind of turn it over to Lori, and she can kind of give us 
a quick update of what's happening with the bond markets, what she's seeing in the trends from her side or behind the curtain, so to speak, as a lender, and the situation she's running into and get people approved for financing. So, Lori, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Ray. Nice to see everybody and meet everybody. Uh, Lori Osmus of Washington First Mortgage. My uh, license number is 116156. Um, yeah, the inflation rate is uh, high, so that's why everybody's raising the interest rates to slow inflation down and hopefully get these like Ray said maybe get it these, this market to even out a little bit we do have kind of an ongoing joke here at the office that you're okay so your loan is approved we're closing on a full take of gas this weekend <laughs> right uh, but no we do mortgage loans not gas loans it was just oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we may need fuel stamps here one day who knows right. exactly so um so the best thing to do to to win in this in your offer on the home is to get your home, your loan pre-approved by an underwriter. So I'm a loan officer. What I do is I gather all your documentation. I review it to make sure the underwriter is going to approve it. Um, I have that kind of experience, so I can tell you how to, it's called packaging, it's how to submit your loan to the underwriter to get the loan approved so that you can make, so you have your money ready. Because if you're buying a house and you don't have your money ready, they're, they're just not gonna take your offer at all. So by getting approved by a lender and an underwriter, your money's there. You're ready to go. We basically just need an appraisal, and we can we can move forward. So now the other thing is, I send you a list of documentation needed to have the best experience. You should provide everything on that list, because the less stuff that you submit, the more conditions are going to be on the loan approval, and the more things you have to do later, and surprises could come up, and this and that. So. It's just really important that you give me everything all at once. Right. So and, you had uh, mentioned before in a previous podcast, and for our listeners that are buyers, I mean, the documentation they're looking for, you, you know, your verification of employment, your verification of deposits, that you have the assets that you say you do. Of course, they're going to run a credit report to verify credit, long-term debt history, but on any kind of side hustle that you have. So if you have another business or you're making money another way and you report it on your income taxes or you have a rental property, they, that information, she had mentioned before that anything you got that's on your income tax or your report, like your side hustle business, your rental properties, your stock portfolio, if you work for IIT companies and you have stock options, what are those, what do those look like? You should get her everything she needs so the underwriter, when she's gonna take this whole package, go to her underwriter, they're gonna look at it, they're gonna make a decision, yay or nay, based upon the amount you wanna borrow at the interest rate, based upon all that information together with your credit report. If she has to continue to come back to you to ask for documentation, it slows down the whole process of you getting approved, and it makes the lender skeptical about whether you're a good credit risk or not. Am I explaining that correctly, Lori? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I and should be a lender. Fully, I know. I, you should. You probably could be with all your experience. But, uh, yeah, if an underwriter gets a file thrown at them that's not packaged nicely and correctly, and they have to, like, double-check their documents to find stuff and this and that, they just, you know, they don't, you know, just... It just gives them a negative attitude instead of a positive attitude. So my team and I, we, we put the package together so that is the underwriter doesn't have any questions. Like, you know, I, I address everything. And so when I ask you for documentation, sometimes people are like, I can't believe you need another. I can't believe you need that. And I'm like, well, you're either going to have a, a good experience with your home loan or you, your home loan might turn into a bad experience. And I want it to be a good experience. So I need to address this with the underwriter because it's going to come up. As long as we do that, they love us. They're just like, yeah, this loan's approved. That makes perfect sense. Move forward. And so 
Because it's really important. And it's like any relationship, business or personal. Exactly. It's all about communication, setting expectations. And people right. need to be told what the expectations are. And once they understand the process, the they typically will, will follow suit because that's how you're going to get a loan. So tell exactly. me a little bit here or tell the audience a little bit. What's what's transpired in the last couple of weeks with interest rates? I know they go up, they go down, they go sideways. Uh, and th you said that the, the mortgage interest rates follow the 10-year treasury bond, yes. not the prime rate and, 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 and not what people on CNN or Fox News try to convince people the interest rates you're doing. So what has happened in the last couple of weeks, and what do you see going forward in the next couple of weeks on interest rates? So, okay, th so there's a lot of uncertainty out there because uh, the Fed has keeps threatening to raise the prime rate, and they were supposed to raise it yesterday, but they, they didn't, but I think they're going to do it really soon here. But that, that doesn't affect your mortgage rate. That affects your um, credit cards and things like that. But there's kind of a trickle-down effect where eventually it will affect, affect the mortgage rates. So here's what happens when this, because I've been in the business my whole life too, so when the 30-year when the fixed mortgage starts going up, lenders start getting creative, banks and stuff, and they're like, okay, well, let's let's pre let's present it like a 7-1 arm, like a, a fixed rate for seven years, and then it goes adjustable, or a fixed rate for 10 years, and then it goes adjustable. So those rates are favorable. And so sometimes if you have a, a big loan amount, sometimes it makes sense to rather than do the 30-year fix, to do like a 7-1 arm. A particular client of mine is going to save like $350 a month just by doing the 7-1 arm. So in seven years, what is that? That's like, um, I should have calculated it before, but a lot of money. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so basically what you say, you get a fixed rate for seven years, and then after that, it, it adjusts every year afterwards. At a certain level, and they now they're different today than they were in the '80s. So they're restrictive with how much they can go up, how much the house payment can go up, how much the interest rate can go up per year and over the life of the loan or ten right. ten year uh, ten one loan. So yeah, that's good to know that the lenders as rates go up, they get creative because at the end of the day, the lenders are in the business to do what? Make money. Lend make money and lend money. They want to give you the loan. They want you to be comfortable with your payment. They don't want you overextended. So, so you know, so that's why they're doing these. So, and then plus, people. The reason that the mortgage rates are tied to the ten-year Treasury note is because people either statistics say that people either sell, refinance, move, or whatever within the first ten years. So, if you take like a seven-year fixed, you would save about thirty thousand dollars in payments. And then at that seventh year, you could say, okay, I might, you know, what, am, what are my goals here? Am I going to be moving? Am I going to be staying? You know, and, and just kind of. You know, we can either refinance the loan or just see what happens when it adjusts. Sometimes it's even better when it adjusts, which is kind of amazing. Right. <laughs> but um, but you save that all that money, and you know you can definitely afford to refinance if you save thirty thousand dollars. You know, hopefully rates would be better by the time you refinance yeah. it. But, I know the but one. I have a, I have a home that I own that I took one of those adjustable rate mortgages back in the day mm -hmm. when there's really no ceiling to it. And yeah, initially it was a little discouraging because the principal balance kept growing to the oh, point right. where it almost hit the 115% mark. But then oh interest rates started going down and I'm paying like less than 2% and the principal balance just keeps going down and down and wow. down. Uh, so it worked cool. out well in that case. Right. Yeah, because it can adjust down. It doesn't necessarily have to adjust up. Right. So, and then when, and then when and the other thing is when they raise the rates like this, and then everything slows down, they're gonna. What are they gonna do later to get it moving again? Is lower the interest rate. Right. So we go up and down like this 
It's a vicious um, cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It is, it is a vicious cycle. What's the it's one awesome. thing that you... So what do you think the rates will do going forward? Do you think they'll go up some more? The you think the, the... I mean, the Fed, it's interesting the Fed didn't come out and raise them yesterday, so it leaves the market kind of in a state of uncertainty. And a lot of the uncertainty is because of inflation and the war over the Ukraine. Well, it's just going to be so interesting to see what happens because now some people are saying that we might, because of the war, have a recession this summer. And it's like... But they have to slow, they, if they don't slow this inflation down, I mean, it's a double-sided double, double sided sword here. It's like, yeah, the war is going to cause all these other uh, economic problems, but we have to get these the inflation down, too. So it's just like, I don't I don't see how that's going to work, because there's like two sides that are opposite each other. And well, so the federal really government's got to quit printing money is what they got to do. That's they the first thing. Something, yeah. yeah, they got to. Right? They, they start with that first. Yeah, I uh, think so. And that, and that might help curb itself. But who knows? It, we could end up in a recession or we could not. I mean, so many people are saying that the real estate market is going to implode. And I don't see any signs of that right now. Not with people. Because there's no inventory. Yeah, because yeah. there's, I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, what, are, I don't so know. what are your, what, what success stories have you seen some of your buyers, what did they do to get successful in the, in the handful of deals that your buyers got these last week or two? Yes, I have two. Well, so yes, you have to waive everything to get your house. It's very unfortunate, but waived financing, appraisal, um, the earnest money goes to the seller at, at a certain time, and you know all these things are waived, right? So I have closed. Um, two transactions this month where one was a $75,000 non-refundable earnest money. The other one is like 102 or some weird amount like that. And um, third one with 150000 non-refundable. But I mean, they're all closing, but I did get those loans pre-approved by the underwriter so that we knew that we had our money. So basically after that, is it was just the appraisal. So I just had the realtor, the agent that I work with, make sure we've got the comparable sales lined up for the appraiser. We should we also submit all the offers that came in on the home if you're escalating because we want the appraisal as high as possible you don't want to sometimes right. they, you can't get it up the house appraised if you've been you know three hundred thousand well, dollars are you allowed to give that information to the appraiser if they don't ask for it because that could be problematic with regards to the arms like distance between the lender and the appraiser the offers you mean right because that's Giving undue influence offers? that's undue in, in, uh, could be construed as undue influence well, I, you know, that's a really good question because we actually had an appraisal class. Oh, cool. Well, the if they ask, it's okay, but you can't. Oh, you can't just volunteer yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because he told us to, to get the offers that did, will help them. Did any of the transactions that went together for your clients, did any of them appraise for less than the final sales price? Yes. So that's yes. still a possibility. And what's really interesting about that deal, too, is it did appraise less, but the agent found like two or three sales that closed a week later. And so we're having the appraisal redone and including those sales. So, I mean, we just have to get creative in this market. I mean, it's, it's just having, the appraisers are having trouble. The sales aren't catching up with the new sales, so. Well, there's cool. that, and I've run into years ago, it's interesting because of this appraisal pool, the request for the appraisal goes in, then they put it in the pool and it gets handed out to different appraisers. And you might get an appraiser uh, that he lives and most of his business is in Auburn, which is south of Bellevue, and he's going to appraise a home in Issaquah. Mm -hmm. Now, he's looking at it from a different set of eyeballs, and so he could possibly end up appraising that home for less 
because that's his market down there and he isn't really educated to the market in Issaquah or Redmond or Kirkland. And so I've run into that a couple times and then when they get it reappraised by a lender that knows the immediate area, then the, the reappraisals always come in at, at the true value. Yeah, and we we're such a it's so such a drag that we can't even we can't pick the appraiser we can't right. we have no we have no say in who appraises the properties. Right, and so they the appraiser has to ask for the information. You can't offer it up. They ask for it to different deals, so you have it ready just in case they ask for it for sure. Well, there we go. We'll have it ready then. We yeah, have it ready. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, what 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 is a thirty year fixed rate? I don't want to get into the APR thing, but. Our interest rates uh, uh, right around three and a half now, three point seven five. Oh boy, 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 boy! No, no, no. They're oh, more they, like um, they're, four point three to four point six. If I quote a range, I don't have to quote an APR. I mean, but is so it oh, like, is it above four percent? Yes, it is. Four point three to four point six. They've been going up every day since. I mean, for uh, right now, I have a, a client call. And I'll be quoting 4.65 without any points because you can buy. I mean, I, I have a whole class on how you buy points and stuff like that. But well, for the definitely. for the average buyer, buying points just means that it's uh, at typically what you're probably quoting is possibly what we call par, which it costs no points to buy the interest rate down. And so then you could maybe a lender has where you can get a lower interest rate if you. Uh, paid uh, one or two or whatever, how many points you want, but that all be in your good faith estimate, and then they can go over the annual percentage rate when they actually quote it for you. I'll actually see how that all lays out, but 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 we've seen what in the last two weeks the interest rates go up about a half a percent. Then yeah, and just in the last like since the war started, I think they've gone up three eighths of a point, something like that. Okay. There's uncertainty when there's uncertainty, the banks always start uh, raising the rates because they don't know what's going to happen. So it's just like, and then they're selling off the bonds too, which that 10-year treasury bonds, when they sell those, the rates go up and it's Fed selling those like crazy. Which so is interesting like, because, you know, the one, what I've been reading is the one asset class that you want to put your money in when there's uncertain times is real estate. And the buying public tends to always go and buy real estate in uncertain times. So here, our real estate market's really gone off the chart since the pandemic, which is uncertain times. People right. are reaching back and they want these houses because that's the only thing that they can really anchor themselves to. So now we have a little bit more uncertain times now that we've moved from the pandemic in some places, some places not. I mean, it all depends what car you drive, whether you're, you know, certain cars of certain people still wear masks, so maybe in that world there's there's still a pandemic but it's uncertain times exactly yeah so I know, right so people are leaning towards real estate so maybe maybe that'll continue the trend but there will come a breaking point on interest rates if they continue to go up that it will slow the market down will it crash the market i i, I highly doubt it there's just too much equity in everybody's homes right now right 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 and Boy, i so sold real estate when interest rates were 19 percent, and we still sold houses back then yeah. I know, right? Yeah, ten and a half, and I bought my house. So, uh, but I got to get back to that APR. So, four point sixty five. The APR is 4.652, and I'm going to present a seven-year fixed at three point eight seven five with an APR of three point four one seven, and so that the client will save three hundred fifty three dollars a month for seven years. So that's thirty thousand dollars. So, you know, they can just make a choice. So to help to help the audience a little bit, APR. What that really basically is the cost to acquire the loan together with the interest rate calculated over a period of time 
and that gives you your APR for the interest right. rate. Is that it's correct? Like an effective, that is correct. I always say it's the effective interest rate because of the closing cost, basically. So. Right, exactly. So. Okay, well, Lori, how can they reach you? Tell us, give them your phone number and your email address if they want to chat with you and your team, get pre-approved for financing, I want them to be able to reach out to you. Certainly. It's Lori Osmus of 425-466-7517. And my email is Lori A, which is L-A-U-R-I-E-A at WFMTG.com. So that's W like Wallace, F like Frank. MTG. There you go. And if you want to reach out to me, Ray Dove Remax, all one word at gmail.com or 425 681-8630. Both of us would love to hear from you and see how we can help you in your efforts to get a proof of financing, find a home, and be, uh, be a winner in obtaining a, a new home for you. So once again, thanks for listening today. And uh, have a great week. And we'll talk to you here in the next week or two and give you another update on the market as well as updates on the current interest rates. Have a great week.